Let's get into it. So today we've got two editors uh, uh, joining the program. The first is uh, Rulani Baloy, SABC National uh, Bulletin Copy Editor. But earlier in the week, I spoke to um, editor Tiso Blackstar, Ranjani Munsami, about her top stories of the week and the week ahead. Well, Kavani, we've had the dramatic resignation of Home Affairs Minister Malusi Gigaba, and we know that it's been a long time coming, and it was a matter of time uh, that he would either be fired or would have to resign. And uh, we saw the the announcement then coming this week um, that he is uh, first quitting cabinet, and then later in the week he quit as a member of parliament. Um, I think the second big story has been um, the interviews for the the new head of the National Prosecuting Authority. And this is one of the most crucial positions in our government. Um, And I think we've seen for the first time this process um, of public interviews of uh, of candidates uh, going over three days. And it's been quite a rigorous process. The interviews were quite um, long and uh, and detailed. And I think that for the public uh, and restoring the, the confidence of the National Prosecuting Authority, I think this was... Um, quite an, uh, an essential process and um, uh, something interesting to behold as we consider how to rebuild the credibility of the state. And the third big story and something that I've been dealing with uh, is the State Capture Commission and um, the evidence presented by former Public Enterprises Minister Barbara Hogan. And she presented evidence over three days. And then we also saw the evidence of the former government spokesperson, um, Zornela Mani, although his um, evidence was meant to be postponed, he asked on Wednesday and actually insisted on Wednesday that he be allowed to present um, his version of events in relation to the text message that he sent to the acting government spokesperson, uh, Pumla Williams, as well as his version of events of what transpired at the government communication and information system while he was its head. Of course, we see on the uh, Friday uh, publication that uh, a deal was actually struck uh, between the two and details of the deal are possible political position, senior managerial position, perhaps within Lutuli House. Um, Do you think we kind of failed to interrogate those issues um, or do you think we were just so focused on the public pressure for Gigaba to step down? Well, you see, the thing is that there was an ultimatum for the public protector, uh, for the president to respond uh, to her uh, recommendation that uh, that action be taken against him. You know, and I think that 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 was where the focus was on on when the decision would be made, what the decision would be. So, would he go or would he be pushed? You know, the the concern about these backroom deals and what exactly is the president's perspective is that there's a very real danger of the problems we have in the state at the moment and the problems that created the environment, for example, for for corruption and state capture um, is not being properly interrogated, and that is the relationship between the president and and NC deployees and what are the expectations. There's also the other concern of, of how people get recycled. So, you know, they put in poverty uh, temporarily and then are brought back after a few years. And because the news cycle is so aggressive and, uh, you know, sometimes it just happens that people can't even remember what somebody had done. 
um, as to why they were kicked out of government in the first place, um, and then and they brought back. So if you think of somebody like Big Pele, um, you know, he, he was found to be not uh, sort of the proper person to be in the position of National Police Commissioner. Mm. So he went away and then came back as the <laughs> police minister. Mm. Um, and none of the factors that led to him being booted out has actually been taken into account or discussed in any, any kind of means. And that's the problem with people exiting in this way through backroom deals. Um, and then, you know, they're allowed to come back and the public doesn't um, have the benefit of knowing why this was. Perhaps the example of Tele uh, highlights what's going on in our newsrooms, uh, smaller newsrooms, uh, perhaps younger journalists with a lack of institutional memory. And that's why we don't have these kind of analytical and comparative skills that you're talking about, where somebody could dig up these uh, reasons from the past and make uh, comparisons in the public interest. The problems with the media coverage and the composition of newsrooms is really, I think, complex, uh, Kivani. Um, Yes, the juniorization is one problem. And I think there's this thing, as a, newsrooms don't invest in specialist reporting. Um, and and it's, one of it is because of the financial pressure on media houses, including the SABC. So, you know, they can't retain talent. Um, you know, people need to move on and need to improve their own lives. So, you, you know, you lose experience and skill and talent, people with institution, institutional memory. But then there's also the other factor that, that we can't escape from as an industry is that there are also agendas at play. Um, and there are journalists who have been caught up in, um, you know, various uh, agendas and, um, uh, and, and are using their positions to advance certain, um, uh, certain people and certain positions. Sometimes it's for financial benefit. Um, other times it's because they just cannot see the wood for the trees. So my particular concern, for example, with the, with the state capture inquiry, is that the Guptas had invested a lot of money in the Bell Pottinger project, for example. The initial amount paid to Bell Pottinger was £100 million. Um, and the intention was basically to manipulate and deceive South Africans. You know, we, we don't focus on their looting spree. And that's how we are deceived. And we can't get away from the fact that, um, you know, that, that, that media houses were involved in this. So, for example, the former ANN7 and the New Age were part of spreading this disinformation. Um, and even now, I don't believe for the second Krivani that the Guptas have just upped and left and that they still don't have an investment in influencing what happens in this country, how the state capture inquiry unfolds, and perceptions of it. And you can see that with the level of trolling, level of misinformation, uh, and attempts to influence people via social media. Absolutely. And then on Thursday, we hear that Parliament's Constitutional Review Committee resolved to amend the Constitution. And here's this thing that you've been talking about, trolling and social media, because this is the amendment of the property section of the Constitution. What has been your experience of the coverage of the land debate and how the media in general has been giving every single side of the story and what exactly land without expropriation is? Well, you know, the, the resolution on, uh, on land at the NC conference almost happened by default. It was not initially proposed. And it was actually a fight um, in, uh, at the NC conference at the session of that conference. It was mostly a reaction to the EFF. 
And it happened in reaction, I think, to the outcome of the, of the firstly the NC elections, where in terms of the top six elections, where I think there was a fight back um, from uh, the forces who were then uh, purporting the line of radical economic transformation, which of course dovetails with the EFF uh, campaign. Um, so that's what then happened. But since the NC conference, what you've seen is the EFF command the lead on the land debate. So the, the NC has basically just been trying to run behind and play catch up with the, with the EFF. And the EFF has, um, has been leading the debate. So therefore, this week, when um, the EFF leaders have been claiming a victory, saying that as a 6% party, they've basically... Uh, you know, uh, this is a, a major victory for them in that they've been able to to, to push through an amendment of, for, for the Constitution um, and to be able to change the law without even being in power in government. Um, and I think that speaks to two things, is how the EFF is able to, to do this, how they are able to dominate debate in the country. Um, but secondly, how the, the weaknesses of the ANC um, and uh, how uh, it's uneven now uh, to define what, what exactly they're saying, what exactly the amendment will be. So the, the main issue here, Kivani, is that there is a very real need to redistribute land and um, undo the disparities of the past. Um, how it's done is what's essential. Um, and, uh, n- and now that the, the amendment to the, the Constitution is going to be made, the focus will then be on the wording of that amendment. Mm-hmm. And you'll see another battle over that. And I think that that will be another test for who actually is in charge of the country, whether it is, in fact, the EFF or the ANC. Absolutely. And finally, Ranjani, your top stories for the week ahead. Well, I think the highly anticipated um, evidence of uh, public enterprises, Minister Pravin Gordon, on Monday, it, it could overlap onto Tuesday, but I think it will be closely watched. Even though um, his statement have, was leaked out and many people know the issues that he is going to cover, um, but I think that, um, you know, there are more bullets in that barrel that <laughs> can be released, so I think the country will be um, watching that closely. Uh, President Ramaphosa is returning to the country from being in Europe. He now has two vacancies in his cabinet. So the question to be asked is, does he fill those vacancies or will there be a cabinet reshuffle? Nobody seems to know. Everybody has different opinions. Again, the point is, we don't know what the president's thinking is on these kinds of things. And that was Ranjani Munsami, associate editor at uh, Tiso Blackstar, with uh, her look of uh, the week that was in terms of news coverage and and uh, how how we did covering those stories. Well, joining me in studio now is Rulani Baloy, our own national uh, bulletin copy editor. Rulani, good morning. Thanks good morning, for coming everyone. in on a Sunday morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you've been listening to um, uh, Ranjani quite keenly um, and in with a lot of things. But before we get into that, give us your top stories of the week. I would say, you know, in politics, our day is a long time. Mm. Um, President Ramaphosa is going to pay back the 500,000 rent from Busasa and he wants a probe into all donations which were put forward for his election campaign to become ANC president. And we we see that opposition parties in parliament, they want him to come back to parliament before parliament rises to come and address this issue because it all started on the 6th of November in parliament. The other story, which 
was very huge. On Friday morning, the National Treasury received, releasing that 600-page report on the goings in ESCOM and Transnet and talking about 150 billion rand, which was uh, lost to irregular expenditure mm. and all all the things that happened there. It's a very interesting report. And we could have been forgiven for missing Fakey Mentos' new submission about Brian Tlongwa, Fana Tlongwani, and the new man who he, she says it wasn't actually Fana Tlongwani at Sexton World who was there. It's another person now. And her version of events still has to be tested by uh, Deputy Chief Justice Sonder to see what actually is the truth about who is this person because she only Googled him, Fana Tlongwani, after her presentation. Mm. And yeah, it's just... That's quite telling, actually, because something as important as the Zondo Commission of Inquiry requires mm. time to prepare your evidence, get your, you know, uh, uh, proverbial ducks in a row, mm. get the stuff sorted. And then by you preparing well in advance and, 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 and getting your evidence uh, in tow shows that you also take the process seriously. If you're going to come and then change testimony halfway through and only do things after the inquiry, does that mean perhaps you haven't done the due diligence and taken this process seriously? But also, in her book, she calls him Brian Shongwa, who mm. helped her with the book. Because if I'm going to say Krivani Pillay, surely I should have seen you somewhere else. I should have been able to try and ascertain that I'm writing about you. So she has had ample opportunity to check who exactly is she talking about. Or maybe her influence, has it been influenced by what other people have said? Mm. Because sometimes as human beings... Psychologically, we cannot tell the difference between what we know and what we have heard from somewhere else. It gets lost somewhere in the process. Yeah. And and for me, the other thing is about how this process is unfolding. We've we heard um, Chief uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo saying, respect the process of the inquiry. If you're going to be late, let the commission know on time. Mm. You know, and he was quite scathing um, in the week that was about people, you know, not honoring times at the commission. And then we also have uh, the former GCIS spokesperson, um, Zwanele Manye, uh, coming in and, and, and demanding to have his say. Um, you know, it, it seems to be any Anything goes at this commission. You know, when he came and I was watching it and he was saying, I'm here to deal with two issues about Ms. Pumla Williams. And then he starts by things that happened before he came in and he presents a National Treasury report calling it that people were running a mini VBS Mm. uh, issue at GCIS. So he came to save the situation and all of that. And that we will leave it to... Uh, to, to, to Justice Zondo to decide uh, where he puts uh, Mr. Manu's evidence into the whole scheme of things. But mm. it's interesting to see how everybody implicates everybody because now we know that um, former ANCSG Gwedemantashi is going to the commission on the 27th of November to mm. put the ANC side of the story because he's been placed by a lot of witnesses in the midst 
of it all. So he's going to say what they did, why they did, who did they meet. And I mean, the banks are saying there was someone to literally house. Barbara Hogan was fired in front of Guadamantash and a whole lot of other things. So it will be interesting to hear what the ANC is going to say about um, at, at the commission, because the nice thing is that everybody gets an opportunity to say this is not exactly what happened. Mm. But I mean, you look at what Barbara Hogan said as from public enterprises minister and you her own party seems to be disagreeing with what she says about the deployment committee. Uh, Rulani, we were talking about the Zonda Commission and and one of the other things that came up in the week was uh, Barbara Hogan revealing that she was put under pressure to appoint Siabonga Gama as Transnet uh, head. And and if memory serves, the EFF was supporting, um, you know, that 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 position, that 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 name. And the the ANC Youth League. I beg your pardon, the ANC Youth League, the former ANC Youth League leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for correcting me there. <laughs> that would be a storm of tweets that mm-hmm. uh, would continue today. Um, so now they're being rather quiet since. I really feel the way the the former ANC Youth League leaders who have formed the EFF they they're not they they don't immediately react to situations. And which is what I have picked up. It doesn't matter what you say about them. They don't immediately respond. Mm. They will, at their own time, say something. And I know that this this is it's not like they have overlooked the fact that Barbara Hogan said what she said about them at the time in 2010. But they will definitely respond. I don't think it's something that they will just ignore as it is. They will, at their own convenient time, come back to us and say, this is what happened. Because according to Ms. Hogan, the only person who really supported her at the time was um, former COSATU General Secretary Zuelin Zimavavi. While the ANC and the SACP were against her, calling her anti-transformation and racist, uh, Zolin Zimavavi, according to her, was the only person who listened to her and tried to understand this is the situation. How do we get someone who's facing serious charges and make them uh, the CEO of of a, of a mm. huge SOE? But what really shocks me is that after she was fired, he came back and he ended up being CEO. And now he's been fired again. Mm. And I just don't understand how the ANC Deployment Committee would have i would really want to know what would be their response to this whole recycling that you were talking about yeah, and with, i suppose um, Gwede Mantasha is going to have to mm-hmm. have those answers uh, uh, rulani let's focus on one of your top stories of the week and that's being that dossier on escom and the allegations and and we we saw that uh, pagamile khadebe on friday talking about you know plans for the uh, for the utility but there's also allegations um you know we we, we saw abra masango uh, suspended uh, so there's just um, a, a lot happening there. Now we see after the Sunday newspapers that there could be further power cuts during the festive season. Will ESCOM, in your opinion, ever get things right? I mean, are, are we looking at the turnaround for the power utility or is this pretty much uh, business as it is for it? 
do you know what my problem is? In winter, we get told the system is overloaded. That's why we have load shedding because everybody is using power. But now here we are in summer. We've been told the rain is not good for the coal because the coal is wet. So which season is good for ESCOM? And for me, the issue here is that when Tegeta took over, when Optimum Coal was taken over by uh, Tegeta, the Guptas came in. Even at the beginning of it all, ESCOM complained that they were giving them low-quality coal. So this is not the story that starts today. It's just that every day people are giving us fresh reason or maybe they're just refining the reason to fit in the issue. But what he also said, Pagamani uh, Khadeb, uh, was that there hasn't been proper maintenance of the grid. And even the powers, uh, the power plants, most of them have not been properly maintained in the past few mm. years. And what we were told when Brian Molife was CEO he, in 2015, he said that I'm going to prioritize maintenance of the grid and we're going to do it in a way that is not painful, in a way that we don't have um, load shedding. Load shedding stopped. How that happened, I really feel that the issue about ESCOM is about who is in power, how they want to use the resources they have. And if you're saying, if you're also saying that there could be job cuts, who are you letting go? What expertise do they have? Mm. Because a lot of times we we would say, fine, we want to have job cuts in companies, but then you find that the people who really understand the business are the ones who might offer to say, I will leave. Then you bring in new people who cannot understand the difference good, between good quality coal and the quality that's the the coal that's not quality. Yeah. But I really feel that ESCOM must just tell us what is the truth. Is it what is it the rain which is a problem <laughs> or is it the winter? All right, hold it there, Erulani. We're going to find out from our listeners uh, what their top stories of the week was, how it was covered. On the line now is uh, the person that always uh, gets in on the program, and that's Mike from Newlands. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Trevor, and uh, always a pleasure to be on the program. Just very quickly, the uh, for me, it's it's the Cyril Ramaphosa and the and his son in Delhi. I think South Africa just let out a, a collective groan when they heard that Cyril Ramaphosa seemed to be now involved in some corrupt activities. I think all South Africans were just praying that he was going to be the one guy that wasn't going to be corrupt. Uh, the, the the NPA goes on and I just upset the way Barbara Hogan and Monsieur Lakota, amongst the others from the old school ANC, seem to be treated so badly with real contempt by the current ANC guys. You know, these people went to jail for 10 years for our, for, to, for, to free us from apartheid and they're treated just awfully. Finally, the Constitution is going to be changed. Uh, this, this, you cannot argue any other way than other than to say that this is going to be an election issue, obviously, and it's made an election issue by the ANC. They cannot argue that they thought this through only 12 months ago that wasn't even on their, on mm. their program. Now all of a sudden they changed the constitution because they're chasing the EFF. We know that, but also it's a wonderful way of playing the race card, dividing black and white. And of course, what we do know as well that administratively it's not going to happen. I see SABC is probably not going to be paid in March. All the SOEs are collapsed. So can anybody tell me Mike, about how is it possible a fountain that of, uh, fountain of uh, wealth there and uh, optimism. <laughs> Let's uh, quickly get in with you. Thanks, Mike, by the way. And uh, Rulani, we only have a minute left. Your 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 top stories for the week ahead. Um, today, Miss Patricia Delil is holding a media briefing in Cape Town. She wow. says she's got... 
a matter of national importance to announce. Mm. We and don't my know. Money's on a new party. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe the revival of the ID. You never know. Mm. And tomorrow, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon will be at the state capture inquiry, and then we will. We we will actually get to place him in in the what happened when he was finance minister. Maybe he will start when he was at SARS because before he became finance minister, he was at SARS. So he's hold several portfolios, and yeah, let's see what's going to come out there. I don't think he will f- be able to finish his testimony in one day. Oh, absolutely not. I think it's going yeah, to be rather uh, like Hogan. I really feel just uh, the media as the media we haven't really done justice to the treasury report. Mm. We still have to go through it and try and find out what else is being said about who was involved in what, because we can't be talking billions. And that report is very huge. And I think as the media, we still have to go on and interrogate it and see what will happen. And let's see what the Speaker of the National Assembly will do about um, uh, the president's retraction. Mm, that's, yeah. that's one to watch. Thanks so much, Rulani. Always good to chat to you. Rulani Beloy, our bulletin copy editor here at SABC Radio News.